And we're live. My lights are good. I'm set up right. All right. Just uh, myself and Robin Lumberg today. Hudson is a little under the weather. He's uh, into the all-star break, load managing, and uh, taking this last game off. He's been active on his Twitter, though. I'm glad. I remember um, telling Hudson years ago, bro, build your own name. Build your own Twitter. You know, Hudson did a ton to help build the Talking Nets Twitter. And I remember telling him then, I'm like, your name is not Talking Nets. Your name is Hudson Flynn. Build your personal account. Like, what happens if we lose this account? And we did. We were suspended for a little while. Uh, But good to see uh, Hudson getting his Nets tweets off on his personal account. Shout out to everybody pulling up in the chat. A couple people watching, a couple people writing in. We see y'all. Let's not waste any more time. I would say Alex hit the music, but Alex is not with us today either. I'm producing this one. Wait, wait, wait. We're doing that Brooklyn, Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Yes, sir. Welcome back to Talking Nets, episode 194 on the road to 200. Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg joining you on this Thursday afternoon. The Nets are done playing basketball until next Friday. But what a game last night. I bet on that game last night, and I wish I bet more. I wish I dreamed bigger. I wish I thought more of what those guys could do. But it was awesome. I I didn't make it to the game. I should have uh, but I was just a little tired from doing the, uh, you know, 2 a.m. Uh, radio and not getting home till 3-ish. But whatever. All is good in Nets world, if you ask me. We're going to talk about it tonight. Robin Lumberg, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Look, it's a, a good feeling to go into the break after a performance like that. It's been a, a roller coaster, obviously, with this team all season. But right after the trade, you know, we're talking ourselves into it and feeling good and that they get the win. And then that game against the Sixers, I, I told you how much that hurt. But they really should have won that game. And they have the bad performance against the Knicks. But if you take it all in aggregate, that's sort of the outlier right now is the performance against the Knicks because you get the performance against the Heat last night where I think Jacques Vaughn is starting to figure out the rotations, starting to figure out which guys he's going to lean on, who's going to, to play the big minutes. And then obviously you get what you get from Mikhail Bridges. And that's the kind of thing that just gets you excited as a fan base. I said when the trade went down, Keith, that I found it very promising how hurt a bunch of Suns fans were to lose Bridges. And I always thought he was a good player. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I always thought he was a good player, but I probably slept on his star potential just because he, he didn't have the ball that much. But when you take the fact that he was averaging 20-something points a game when Devin Booker was out this year – and, and a lot of Suns fans were, were propping him up and saying he could be a star, as Ethan writes into the chat or the premium chat. Brooklyn Bridges has arrived. Bright future. Brooklyn Bridges is a fire nickname. He's got the most fire celly in the league as well. And, and you, you factor in everything this guy can do. Defensively, we know what he was about, what he's about. He can shoot the three. He's got the pull-up game. He never stops moving off of the ball. He um, is working and getting better as an initiator of offense with the ball in his hands, I, I do think there's a chance he could really blossom into a star here. And, and it, it feels like something is growing, right? Like that's, that's the cool part about it. It's like, oh, okay, this is ours and this is growing. 
It's kind of crazy, too, how warped time is. Like, tomorrow is Friday, and that makes it two weeks since Kyrie forced his trade out of here and all of this started to change. And I feel like, you know, the end of the era, all things considered, for it to end in the middle of this season, which was supposed to be the all-in season, instead of it ending at the end of the season and the Nets coming up short, like, it, it kind of gave us new life in the middle of the season where you're looking at a five-seed Nets team with talent. And, yeah, it might not have gone exactly how we planned at the deadline. Yeah, it, it hurts to lose superstar talent. It's super weird looking at KD in the Suns uniform and Kyrie even with the Mavs. Kyrie missed uh, a game last night for the Mavs and the media is still on Kyrie. It kind of gave me a, re a relief. Like, all right, we don't have to keep fighting for Kyrie. He uh, is not our problem anymore. But, yeah, it's crazy in the NBA how quickly things change, how the deck gets reshuffled. And now you're looking at a Nets team that has no real pressure, no real expectations. Everybody's saying what they're not going to do. So whatever they do is an overachievement. Last night, they weren't favored to win that game. The Miami Heat fans travel well. And you could hear Let's Go Heat chants in Barclays Center. I've been in there for games last year, two years. It's, it's gone on for a long time. But we sent those goofies packing because Mikael Bridges ascended to being the superstar, the best player on the team. And if you look at the two games, the last two games, right, Robin mentioned we should have beat the Sixers. We, we should have or should have at least got the chance to beat them in overtime, whatever. They're still figuring things out. Jacques Vaughn is still figuring things out. He talked about 10 guys playing and how by the playoffs, that's going to shrink to eight, maybe nine. And uh, this is all a work in progress, right? Uh, there's a lot of talk about Cam Thomas will play his post-game clip, his post-game comments. But, yeah, you know, when you saw Cam Thomas going off for 40 back-to-back-to-back -back -back nights, that was before reinforcements were on the way. And uh, now they're kind of figuring out the pieces of the puzzle. I, I knew that it wasn't going to be a night where Spencer Dinwiddie chucked up over 20 shots because that's what happened against the Knicks. Spence was trying to lead, but I'm, I'm sure they went and watched that film and they strategized and they said, hey, we got to move the ball. And uh, Bridges is the guy. Let's get the ball in his hands. Let's get him as many open looks and opportunities. And then everybody else kind of feed off of that which I felt like they did last night, and then they played defense. This is now a team that their identity is going to be defense and shooting the three. Three and D team, not just three and D wings, but it's like there's a bunch of guys that can shoot, and there's a lot of guys that are locked in on defense, and Bridges himself last night said defense comes first, right? I like that. Uh, a lot of Nets fans have been saying, okay, we're getting back to the mentality, the Brooklyn grit, the Brooklyn way like hustling, playing defense, and uh, just having that energy and passing the ball, moving the ball around. Anybody can be the guy to knock down a three. But I think it's clear that Brooklyn Bridges is the best player on the team, should be the focal point star of the team. And guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and even a Cam Thomas, even a Cam Johnson, they got to kind of understand that, like, hey, this guy is the guy that's probably closest to being the next all-star for the Nets. Rumor was that a team offered four first-round picks for him, and we're seeing him embrace the moment. It was a tale of two completely different games, what he did against the Knicks and what he did last night against the Heat. Yeah, I mean, he struggled in, in that Knicks game, and it's going to be a, an adjustment. I don't expect him to do what he did last night every game, but he's going to have the opportunity, and, and sometimes that's all it, it takes. I mean, Suns fans, I, I went through a, a really detailed thread 
on Twitter that a Suns fan had posted. I wish I remembered the handle right now because I'd like to give credit. But they were showing the evolution of his game, and they were saying, hey, there's reason to be excited that he could take a leap, and this was before the, the trade went down. Now, when, when you factor in the, the defensive aspect that you just talked about, well, I, I believe when Claxton, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Bridges share the floor, their defensive rating is under 100. So that they do have clamps on teams. That's really good in today's NBA. And, and you can just see the talent from Bridges. The confidence will come. But like you see some flashes that make you go, oh, okay, you know, Kevin Durant used to do that. Or you see some flashes and go, oh, you know, Kawhi Leonard does stuff like that. And, and he's kind of cut from that cloth, from that mold. And, yeah, the, the attitude is great too. Figuring out the rotations, there's just a lot of good players on this team. Pimp named Slickback writes in another premium chat. We'll get to the Cam comments themselves in a bit. But Nets World, let's chill with Cam criticism. Who cares if he looks upset at the end of the games? He puts effort on the court. Ben looks happy and doesn't care. I mean, they put Ben in as the first sub last night, but Jacques Vaughn adjusted and Cam was the first sub in the, the second half. I do think Cam needs to play more just because of his ability to create offense and score. But there, there's guys that are, are going to contribute for this team. You know, Cam Johnson is a nice do-it-all player. There's really no weaknesses in what he does. I, I don't think there's anything that you, you look at and go, oh, he's the best at that. But he does all of those things well. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith, in a way, is sort of redundant with the Suns guys, but is a, another sought-after player in the league because he's going to communicate on defense. He's going to take the open threes. Dinwiddie dialed it back a little bit, which was, was nice to see. You know, they're, they're getting – Claxton, they wanted to get him a rest so he didn't play too many minutes. But you start to see the guys that are going to play, Claxton and Bridges, Johnson, Finney-Smith, Dinwiddie, Thomas, Simmons. And then that last spot is Joe Harris. You know, that, that's, that's probably about what you're looking at as the mainstays in the rotation. And, and I like the way that Vaughn adjusted by not playing Seth Curry in the second half. Yeah, and it's that's why I say it's a work in progress. Jacques Vaughn is a great coach. He's a good coach. Um, I, I love hearing his post-game stuff. Uh, he gave a shout-out to Mikhail Bridges, and he said, hey, thanks for waiting to go off for 45 when you got over here. He couldn't really do that on the floor with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker and CP3 and you know all of the talent that they had in Phoenix. But now there's an opportunity for him here in Brooklyn and it seems like he's embracing it. He says he loves the nickname, Brooklyn Bridges. I think it was destiny. It was written. It's too perfect. It's too easy of a nickname. Brooklyn Bridges. You hear the Brooklyn Brigade chanting that. And uh, I, I'm happy with this team, man. I know everybody is having a tough time. Uh, it's a tough pill to swallow that the KD Kyrie era ended the way it did it. It seemed like it was a crash and burn. It was an abrupt end. But, like, there's light at the other end of this tunnel. This team right now is a team that we expect to make the playoffs and not just uh, make the playoffs. I, I expect this team to, ex like, not even be in the play-in. I, I know that sounds far-fetched because everybody expects them to drop. I know that, uh, you know, everybody's counting them out, but none of that matters. I think they're motivated. I think when you listen to the postgame, these guys talk about – they talk about um, how everybody in there knows how to play basketball. They know what to do. And last night was an interesting night in the NBA. Let me see if I can pull the standings up. You have the Celtics at one, 
And the Celtics, uh, they just played the Bucks. The Bucks beat them in overtime the day before, and the Celtics rested some guys. But I just look at the Celtics as a clear-cut favorite in the East. They're the one seed. Giannis and the Bucks, those guys are going to stay right there, uh, right on their heels. If they don't catch them, I don't know, maybe. But then when you look at three and four, the Cavs lost last night. But three and four are right next to each other. So I think there's going to be back and forth between the Sixers and Cavs. And now we get to the Brooklyn Nets at the 5-6 spot. In less than two weeks, we'll run it back against the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden. I guarantee you it's a different game. I guarantee you the Nets have a chip on their shoulder looking to beat the Knicks. And the Knicks went down to Atlanta last night and beat the Hawks pretty easily, pretty handedly. Those are your top six teams, and I think it's going to stay that way some you know way or the other as far as like I, I don't really think there's going to be too much movement maybe between three and four, five and six. But fingers crossed for that. I think that's what the whole second half needs to be. I think the the whole second half literally needs to be like, okay, what do these guys have to do in 20-some-odd games to make sure that they don't fall into the play-in? Ding, 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 ding. If you don't fall into the play-in, you already improved from last season. Last year's team played themselves into a first-round sweep against the Celtics. So this year's team already has just that on the wall for what they need to do to improve, and and it's right there in front of them to be better than uh, where this team was last year. If they go into the playoffs and win one game, they've already improved on what the KD Kyrie era did last season. Yeah, I mean, I I look at those teams that are bunched up with them. I I don't think the the Nets can't beat the Cavs. I, I think the Nets could beat the Cavs in the playoff series. No question about it. This is a good team. It's a good team, and it has a bright future. And and I feel like, um. One thing that's going to be cool is the Nets are no longer going to be hated. So you don't have to deal with the trolls and, and all that anymore. It, it's hard to look at this team and hate them or, or, or not give them a likability factor. Um, then there's also the aspect of, I, I get it that some Knicks fans or whatever fans want to rub it in what happened. And they're having a tough time with the fact that we're not that upset about it. <laughs> you know, like I'm not, I am excited. I feel better. I almost feel that sense of relief of when you've moved on to a next chapter and you know, it happened, like you mentioned so abruptly, there was no time to like sit there and, and wallow in what took place. And you also had the, um, the, the trial run in the summer, right? Like you went through all those emotions in the summer when Ky- Kyrie's situation was going down and, and Katie asked for the trade. So you were kind of prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And now you, you got this team that is, is flush with guys who could blossom is flush with guys or a couple in particular, especially Bridges, uh, flush with guys who are going to show up to work and, and play hard and play together and represent themselves well, and then also now has draft capital to make a move that could put you over the top at some point. So I, I don't think there's any reason to bemoan the state of the Nets. There, there's some problems. You know, the Ben Simmons thing is still an issue. But a, as far as the, the overall picture, I, I think the Nets' stock is on the rise. And you know what? I I enjoy now not having the national spotlight. I enjoy now that Nick Friedel, they moved his goofy ass right over there to Phoenix with KD. He's out of here. And I, I call him a chaos merchant. He was only here for the chaos, right? They, were, they weren't going to leave him here to cover Ben Simmons. And we'll talk about Ben Simmons in a minute. I actually felt like last night, you know, he didn't get booed. That's progress. I know he played 20 minutes. He he, he should end up being the odd man out of this rotation, but when you don't really have a backup center and you play, you don't play Dayron Sharp, Ben Simmons gets those minutes. But 
I like that the Nets now, the new Nets now, can kind of go back to where we were before we went the player empowerment route, before we went to the superstars that held the organization hostage. Um, I, I like it for now. I know there's going to come a time where we either uh, sign a free agent superstar or, or develop our own again. But uh, let's see. Let's play this, um, which shows you just like the attention that the Nets have gotten over the last couple of years. When I say this Nets world is built, they are now a national team. Even though they don't have Katie and Kyrie, like people still are looking at the Nets to see what the Nets do next. And now we just don't have the microscope and the pressure of, oh, they have two stars in Katie and Kyrie. They have to win it all. So this is a clip from South Park. <laughs> I honestly don't know what the people. So I, I used to watch South Park a lot when I was a kid. Not anymore. Those two were Canadians that came yeah, on the, the floor. The, the Canadian is the head like that. Yeah. And they were saying, we want privacy. We want privacy. <laughs> now, I don't know exactly. I didn't watch the episode. I don't know who they're supposed to be. But you know what I immediately thought? And I said this the first game we went. Uh, or I went to after we traded Kyrie, I'm like, oh, it's nice to show up to the arena and no one is protesting here. It's nice to show up to the arena. No one's got a, a sign. No one's got a mega, megaphone. No one's got some type of narrative they're trying to push. And that South Park clip showed you Barkley Center with the Basquiat court, the Basquiat jerseys. It's the Brooklyn Nets. I even saw Shout the Nets Kingdom for posting, and I think Doug Barrick posted as well that one of the players had bridges on the back of his uniform. So this had to be recent. I think South Park airs on Wednesday nights. So maybe it was last night. Um, but I thought it was hilarious that they show Brooklyn and they show Brooklyn with people protesting so much so that they're on the court. They're on the middle of the floor because we've seen protests, right? You know, uh, stop anti-Semitism shirts courtside when Kyrie did that nonsense. And it goes on outside of the building, uh, that hub between Flatbush and Atlantic has become a site for protests. Yeah, I mean, it, it is nice in, in that way to to have um, what was the team before? I think the team before that got everybody into this squad and got you into the idea. That's when I started making the case that Katie should sign with the Nets back then, um, but at, at a more talented level. Like this team is better than that team on talent. And also has a higher ceiling because we talked about Bridges. I'm not, I don't want to overstate it and say, you know, Bridges is a Hall of Famer um, already. He's got a, a lot to prove, but he has the chance to take that leap. And there's just something fun about being able to watch that. By the way, uh, Kevin Durant is speaking right now. Uh, Mark Spears just tweeted out, he, he writes for ESPN. Kevin Durant gets emotional talking about Nets and says, they helped me through a lot. He wished Brooklyn the best going forward and added that he, Kyrie, and Harden didn't get enough time on the floor. KD says it just didn't work out, but wishes the Nets the best. So a little bit of a different tact from Durant than we saw from, from Kyrie, and even from Harden just recently, where uh, he's he's at least um, not going out and saying it was a mess and a disaster and I had to get out of there. He is a, at least acknowledging the fact that um, it was a, a chapter in his career and I salute Kevin Durant again for building this organization and this franchise to a level of prominence. 
because it, it's always great when one of the best players of all time wears the, the jersey for the team that you root for. So th- that's great. But when it comes to KD and wishing the best, when it comes to Kyrie and Harden, it's just time to move on. I, I keep having people send me stuff that they're saying or they're doing. I, I don't really – look, I'm an NBA fan, so I'm going to follow it in that sense. But I don't really care in the sense that you're not going to get a reaction from me. We're grown-ass men. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand that either. Like, I'm looking for somebody to donate my KD and Kyrie jerseys to because I can't rock them. I rep the Nets. I rep the Brooklyn Nets. I've been wearing all of my team gear lately, which is good. And you know what? Let's go back to what KD said because I've been trying to separate KD from Kyrie. I've been trying not to talk down on KD. The only negative things I've said about KD is, yeah, again, He doesn't want to drive the bus. Late in his career, he does not want to be on a team with no other superstars. He literally had a quote this season where he said, Royce O'Neal, Edmund Sumner, Joe, like, y'all expect us to win because I'm out there? Like, that's not his MO. That's not his personality. But also, he doesn't want to be hated. He doesn't want to be the villain. This is a guy with burner accounts that responds to anyone on Twitter. And him saying that Brooklyn helped him through a lot, his first year, he was paid. He didn't play a game. He was rehabbing. And he rehabbed, and he came back with the Brooklyn Nets. That's what he means. They helped me through a lot. His business I spoke on, 35 Ventures in the boardroom. Being here in New York, that was a big step forward for his business ventures, for what he's doing with Rich Kleiman here in the city. I just said on the last episode, he doesn't need to stay in New York, right? He was here for three, four years. They got stuff off the ground. He can go ring chase, and that's fine. But he's not looking to be a villain here. It seemed like he opted in to stay here, right? He signed his contract to stay here for four years. The Kyrie stuff, his loyalty to Kyrie, I think it's twofold. Okay, Kyrie's not here. Well, this isn't what I signed up for. I signed up to be here and play alongside Kyrie. He's out. Trade me. Brooklyn helped him again. They could have sent him to anywhere. They sent him to his preferred destination. The Suns, who honestly could win the finals this year or get there or get to the Western Conference Finals, whatever it is. There's no malice. KD's not mad at the organization. They did him a solid all the way through. Uh, Rihala, hit me up, bro. Uh, he said, send him my way. <laughs> oh, where's uh, Keith? Send him my way. I literally am putting together a bag of Kyrie shirts, KD shirts, uh, KD jerseys, Kyrie jerseys. I got like three or four pairs of size 12 KD shoes. I just can't rep it. The way they went out, it's not me. It doesn't align with who I am to uh, rep these guys. I'm not a child. I'm a grown man. I'm not hurt about it, but, like, I've moved on. I'm excited to watch these nets. I'm putting in parlays on these nets. I'm hitting parlays, betting on these guys to play well. I should have dreamed bigger. If I would have known that Mikael Bridges was going for 45 and bet him to go for 40 and knock down four or five threes, I would have been caking last night. I would have cashed. But uh, other than that, there was a lot of conversation around after the game, post-game. Before we hit Cam Thomas's post-game remarks, let's just go player by player. Obviously, Mikael Bridges had the best game of his life last night. Uh, he played defense well on Jimmy Butler, locked Jimmy down. Jimmy had 13, and... Obviously, he had 14. He had eight rebounds, five assists. He was pretty efficient as well. Spencer Dinwiddie, only nine points, but he hit some big shots. And I think he realized, hey, I got to pass. I got to facilitate. It can't all be me chucking up shots. Good. Nick Claxton, 
only four points, but nine rebounds. And I think Claxton is adjusting to this whole thing, too. Since he's been here, he's been here under this whole KD Kyrie era. I'm sure it's tough on the kid. Not making excuses for him because he's also a grown man. But, uh, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, he's adjusting to, okay, I was playing with KD Kyrie being looked at as defensive player of the year. Now I got all these other guys. And, you know, they're figuring it out. Dorian Finney-Smith, he's going to play defense. Sometimes he's going to knock down shots, but only two points. It didn't matter. Cam Johnson, I had him making three threes in my parlay. When he hit that last three, I was pumped. 18 points. Shout out to him. He said he's going back to Arizona to pick up his dog or to get with his dog, Halo. He said he hasn't seen his dog now in over a week. Uh, Royce O'Neal coming off the bench. Royce is a guy that was starting for the Nets, but he's a veteran. He's just taking it as it comes. Joe Harris, Seth Curry, you know, Seth comes back. He plays 10 minutes. He has zero, 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 zero points, zero assists, zero rebounds. I'm not really sure about him. Joe Harris, uh, Joe Harris in this, you know, past Katie Kyrie era, the short, you know, couple games, he's been better. I'm not really mad at him. I mean, I know he gets a lot of money or he makes a lot of money to not be doing that much, but it is what it is. They'll figure it out with him. And then speaking of making a lot of money and not doing too much, Ben Simmons played 10 minutes. He gave you two points, four assists, four rebounds. The more he flies under the radar, the better. And last but not least, Cam Thomas comes off the bench. And I didn't mind how Cam played at all. I didn't mind what he said after the game at all. He had 19 points, four assists. He found Bridges for a big three, two rebounds. And and that's 21 minutes off the bench. Robin, before we play Cam's quotes, anything you have to say about any of the players individually from last night, what you saw? Yeah, let me. I'll focus on a couple of the guys who are are less prominent in their roles now, but prominent in their names and salaries, as you mentioned. Joe Harris has been better since the trade. Uh, you know, I wonder whether those minutes should go to Yuta Watanabe, but that's that's. Uh, I'm I'm willing to see what Joe has there. The the ball is flowing. He's hit some threes. Uh, obviously, um, he he seems a little bit more comfortable with this team. And then when it comes to Ben Simmons. I feel like they've tried everything to really get him going. And it, it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. He, there's plenty of times he's borderline unplayable. But I will say he did okay in his minutes last night. And if that's going to be his role because they don't have a second backup big, it's not like you can be campaigning for Sharp to be in there getting those minutes. So if Ben is going to come in and be the, the backup big slash point guard in those minutes, that's probably the best possible role for him the remainder of the season because it limits how much he's going to be on the floor but also maximizes what he is able to give you right now even if it isn't that much. All right, cool. Let's go ahead and play what everybody on Nets Twitter was talking about. I don't know. I just – all right, I, I want to say this, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but there's too many negative Nancys in Nets world. I, I get it. We just came out of this whole turmoil – all this toxicity and drama with Katie and Kyrie. So people are just looking for the next contra- controversy, the, the narrative basketball association. There's always got to be some type of underlying theme or narrative. And I don't really think it's that big. Let's play what Cam Thomas had to say after the game last night. You know, Jack's been asked a little bit about, you know, guys adjusting to roles a- after the trade. And, you know, you had been starting a couple of games before that and, now it's more of a bench role. How how does you approach that mentally? You know, especially with tonight coming in and having a really hot night uh, scoring off the bench. Just do my job. 
That's about it. You know what it's like to get pretty hot after that stretch you had. What do you make of what Mikhail did tonight? It was good. He had it going. He was very efficient. You know, he would us he would us to a victory, so kudos down. Cam, what's it like trying to, I guess, find your role or I guess the entire team is trying to, I guess, find each other's role with the whole roster being shaken up. What's it like for you trying to figure out where you fit in and what your role looks like in the second half of the season? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, if I'm doing one thing, then trying to, you know, adjust to the team because, you know, it's just what you got to do. But it's tough for sure, so you just got to figure it out and, you know, move on from there. Okay, uh, it looked like uh, Mikhail took out, kind of took over the first unit. You were the you know scoring outburst off the bench uh, with the second unit. Is that like a blueprint that you think you guys can you know stick with the rest of the way? I don't know. We gotta see. I mean, I don't think anything is. Uh, we're still. I, mean, I guess the coach is still trying to figure everything out. So I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Okay. All right. So let's take this. Uh, Pretty much question by question. I had no problem with the first question. The guy's asking him, hey, you're on the bench. Uh, we know you just made history with back-to-back-to-back uh, 40-point -to -back -to -back games, but you're on the bench. You're coming off the bench. How are you dealing with coming off the bench? The kid's like, I'm just doing my job. Like, what's he supposed to say? Yeah, you know, I want to be a star in this league. Last week when he was being interviewed, he had a lot more of a smile. He had a lot more energy and emotion. And think about what happened to this young man. He set an NBA record, the youngest player ever. He just made history. And now he's back on the bench. And it's almost like, you know, the kid wants to play so bad. He's shown what he can do. And he feels like, yo, I, like, why am I not the guy? Why is it because I'm young? It is. It's his second year in the league. He's 21. They don't trust him yet defensively. They don't trust him to make the right pass. There are veterans here now. And there's more veterans here than were here when it was Katie and Kyrie also. He also was quoted last week saying, of course I want to play in NBA games, right? The whole ain't shit funny and people talking about him not smiling. He's like, you, you'd be foolish to think any NBA player doesn't want to play in NBA games. This is a kid that grew up watching the league, obsessing over Kobe Bryant, came into the league, James Harden, his favorite player. He gets to play with Harden. Like, the guy wants to be out there. I have no problem. Um, he started to kind of, I guess, show a little bit more frustration when they asked him about his role changing, he said it's tough. But, like, it's tough for anyone as a kid figuring out your role in the workplace. And, uh, it, you know, he's got to be humble. I also feel like he's a 21-year-old kid. He's ready to get out of there. It's the all-star break. I'm ready to go home. We won the game. What do y'all want from me? I came off the bench. I outscored the Heat's bench by myself. Like, is anybody asking me about that? No, you guys always want to make it about, oh, I'm on the bench. I was getting DMPs this year. It's okay. I feel like people blew it up to be like, he's selfish. He doesn't care about the team. He's not happy for the team winning. Yo, it's the all-star break. He's a 21-year-old kid that also just got taxed $40,000 for being a kid and making a mistake and saying something that kids say. I think now he's tightened up his uh, media availability. He's tightened up his approach. And uh, he doesn't have to be happy about coming off the, the bench. I'm sure the kid feels like he's a starter. Go ahead, Robert. Well, we got a, a premium chat from John. Uh, is it Sabal Sable? Uh, Cam learned the ways from KD on how to deal with the press. Haha, -ha. 25 games for this team to gel and cause havoc, positive spirits. Look, um, Cam has to get better at this. He does. There's a reason they want him out there. 
and he's going to speak because there's an interest in him and people care. And he also has a lot of potential. I, I don't think you just score 40 plus three games in a row in the NBA and not have the ability for that to translate into a bigger role. I and mean, in fact, we saw it last night when he came into that game, uh, Jock Vaughn admitted he changed the game a little bit. Teams are, are doubling him, even tripling him at times to get the ball out of his hands. He can score. And I, I believe given the position the Nets are in, he should be playing 25 to 30 minutes a night, something in, in that range at least. So I understand why he'd feel a certain type of way about having his minutes reduced and taken away where he's the last guy coming off the bench after that stretch. And you also have to go back to even Steve Nash. You're now Steve Nash and Jacques Vaughn have both maybe not been so thrilled with the idea of just throwing Cam front and center, which tells me maybe something has gone on behind the scenes. And then you see Cam out in front of the camera and you go, oh, okay, that's why. You know, the eye roll about Nash in the past, the, the, the locker room celebration where he was the one guy who was sort of surly last night. I'm not going to sit here and, and bash him or say, you know, he's got the worst attitude on planet Earth. In fact, I think his game has improved. I used to be frustrated when he would come into the game because he was a nut and he was just throwing shots up. Now he is passing the ball. Now he is trying to play within the team. So we're seeing progress. We're seeing the right kind of steps. He just needs to mature a little bit and, and understand what comes with the territory and what comes with the business. Yeah, I mean, I, I got no problem with it. I just look at him as a kid. He's 21. He wants to play. He's figuring things out. That $40,000 hit his pockets hard. That's not fun. And uh, he made a mistake. He's learning from it, and this whole thing is a learning experience. He was drafted by the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are going to use him however they want to use him, and he knows it's his job to do whatever they ask of him. His time will come, and I hope it comes here with the Brooklyn Nets. All right, uh, last call for, I guess, chat questions. I will check these voicemails, and uh, we'll close this thing out. Let's see. I see you guys through a, a few things. Uh, one, shout to Dylan. He's like, yo, Keith, we need some new Talking Nets merch. We only had merch when we were under John Boy Media, who has a merch store, and we had a graphic designer that I could work with and say, hey, draw up this idea for me right I, I think we need a nets world hoodie take the like world and the uh scarface the world is yours banner and switch that and put nets world in it that kind of thing is what we used to have if we do return with talking nets merch it would probably be through netsworld.org i'd have to get in touch with those guys but like i don't have a shopify account i don't have uh i don't i just we don't it, we're we're not there we're not doing that right now but i would love to uh have some some merch. I know. need that white Basquiat Bridges joint. Some I, I, some Brooklyn Bridges shirts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I'm just gonna get. I'm waiting for the team store. Oh, the jersey, like, just the number yeah, one we, Bridges. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's hard. Uh, but I mean, of course, we take our our own merchandise. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna say no to that. Keith, you should sit down and talk with Cam. I would love to. I would love to talk to that young man and tell him he's great and he's gonna be great and he's got a long career ahead of him and he's got this the chance to be great right here in New York and be an icon, and be the man, and just keep going, bro. You're an NBA basketball player. When I was 21, I was dropping out of college. I was unsure about everything in life. I was unsure about what I wanted to do, if I could do it. Like, Cam Thomas is great. He's already a bucket in the NBA. He's just got to learn patience. He's just got to learn the professionalism, and I think he is learning it. He'll be fine. Um, let's see. <laughs> this is, these are great questions. Ramon Castro, why is talking Yanks on Yes Network and not talking Nets? There's time slots for both shows. 
You know what? We're, That's a good we're, idea. We're not on. We're not under John Boy Media. <laughs> like, and, I, and one day, man, one day I, I had this conversation with someone recently. I don't really talk about it too much because it, it it's not going to make them look great. But one day the whole truth will come out. And I always tell the truth. So I have no problem with it. But like the whole reason this show is called Talking Nets is because when Talking Giants and Talking Yanks and Talking Knicks and Talking Baseball came out, they had the idea to start a podcast for Nets fans. The only Nets fan they were really connected with was me but along the way we became disconnected so we don't have a deal with the yes network shout out to the good folks at yes network i credit them for putting me on they reached out to me in 2019 put me in commercials put me on the channel we did some live streams and stuff but yeah just we're not in we're not involved well, with john boy media maybe so we, we can make it happen you know separately though like ryan ruko is a good friend of mine he does Nets i'm broadcast. not saying it can't happen but I, the I'm question doing... is why is talking net uh talking yanks on there john boy media signed a deal with yes network we're not under john, john boy media we're doing this under odyssey and ourselves myself robin hudson alex that's it it's a four-man operation and uh that's why we don't have merch that's why we don't have things but like that can all change we're doing this this season, and I don't plan on stopping this. Somebody can come in and say, hey, we'd like to help, or we'd like to put you guys on. And that's why you keep the brand going. We're approaching 200 episodes. Go so, ahead, Robin. Yes, Network, if you're listening. I'm doing I'm doing um radio with Michelle Beadle and uh, uh, Frank Isola next week. Beadle used to work at Yes, right? And Isola's there now. I'll, I'll see, what's, see what's what. But you never know. I remember when um, Kyrie and, and Katie signed with the, the Nets, uh, I reached out to Elliot Wilson on who was running title at the time shout out to elliot wilson to make sure that brooklyn go hard got put on there because it wasn't on there and and he got that up a, a minute later so sometimes these things can happen quickly you, you don't know and and uh i just saw espn put out a, a tweet this is pretty interesting because katie was talking about how the Kyrie trade was tough to stomach mikhail bridges had a career high 45 points uh making him the fourth net with a 45 point game this season Cam Thomas, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. That's the most individuals to score 45 points by a single team in NBA history in a season. So four guys have done it. Two of them are still on the team. Two of them are still on the team. So that's another reason to feel good about this squad because I think if you you put most of the offensive touches through Bridges and Thomas, they're going to be able to produce, and those other guys can really fit in nicely around that. Uh, uh, Johnson, you know, I, I think can score a lot of points without – that many touches uh, Finney Smith's a shooter Dinwiddie if he plays like he did last night you, you trust him at e end of shot clock bailout situations but you want him more as a distributor I mean I think you got to feel pretty good uh, about the roster and I do I'm not worried about Katie and Kyrie I'm not actively rooting against them I'm not actively following them I follow sports in the NBA so I come across these things but I'm a Nets fan I was a Nets fan rooting for Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson and those guys like I'm going to be a Nets fan no matter who's in those jerseys. Let's play. Uh, we've got one voicemail. I'm not sure who it's from, but thank you for only leaving uh, 39 seconds worth of a voicemail. What's good, fellas? Love the show. Listen up real quick. Yesterday, Mikhail Bridges, what a beast, bro. 45 points. The man the man is on a tear. So I want to give you a question. Do you think in this offseason we definitely need a point guard? Would you say they should go after Fred Van Vliet? If not, what other point guard could set this guy up? Because with a point guard, not only Bridges, but 
Cam Johnson, whoever else, all these shooters we have, they'll be tearing it up. So we definitely need a point guard and definitely need a big man too. So uh, what do you guys think? What will be a, a realistic trade uh, free agent uh, target? This offseason thing. Right. I was about to say trade <laughs> deadline's over, bro. <laughs> I, I do think trade targets make, you know, like free agents. We'll, we'll see. I have to look at the list. I don't know what the list is, but you never know, right? Like you, you never know. I, I mentioned it before, but who knows when Damian Lillard, he's been thrown out there forever. What if he becomes available, right? Like Dame Lillard and you say, hey, it's Cam Thomas and three first round picks and uh, the other player that you want. You know, that it's not out of the question. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Fred Van Vliet's another guy that they've been linked to. I don't think um, this team is that far away from competing again. And they at least now have the assets to make those sort of moves happen. Pip named slick back with another premium chat. I like Katie and I wish him well, but my younger cousin almost stopped watching the NBA last year during the drama last spring. I'm glad this era is over. Amen. Nets fans. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be glad that it is over. I'm more excited. I think I'm more just genuinely excited than I was before. It was almost like um, an obligation before, right? Not that you weren't rooting for the team, but you you felt like you had to be there. They had the expectations. Every time something went wrong, it's like, ah, the world is crumbling apart. Now it, it just feels more, more organic, I guess. Keith's mic's not on. He'll figure that out in a second. Ah, uh- <laughs> My mic was muted. Sorry. But yeah, I was saying I I love that now we have more Nets fans. Uh, This Nets world has been built and the cupboard is not barren. There's talent on this team and whatever they do this year, there's no pressure. Like whatever they they achieve is going to be fun and you can get back to like actually watching basketball and not worrying about what somebody's going to post on Instagram or Twitter. Um, Not worrying about how long is this guy going to be out is he rehabbing? When's he going to return? Like, Mikael Bridges plays every game. The best availability is availability, or the best ability is availability. The guy's always available. Like, that's something you can count on. We have players that we can rely on, and there's less of the, like, ego and the divaness. and I think that's solid, especially in New York and Brooklyn. Like I said, like, I can't rock with Katie and Kyrie because I just can't relate, like, it was cool to have superstars. I was all in. Yes, we got them. They, they chose us. But the way they kind of played the organization and left and put themselves in front of the team and the fans and the loyalty that we have to, like, our home team, our area, like, we can't rock with them. So, uh, let's see. Um, no more voicemails. No more reviews either. The last review was sent on January 24th from Joel Bird's Eye View. If you're an Apple guy, go ahead and leave us a review. Those reviews help us when, let's say, I don't know, the Yes Network wants to check out the Nets podcast we do. They're go- they're going to reviews to see how many stars and what people are writing about the podcast. We lost a ton of reviews because we switched our feed. The old feed had over 100 reviews from ni- uh, 2019 to now. But go ahead, Robin. Yeah, I just was going to uh, mention one more thing from the Durant thing because we'll f- fully be past this by the time we record it uh, again. But he talked about Kyrie's trade demand. He said, I was upset that we couldn't finish. I thought we had some good momentum. We were finally building the culture that we always wanted. But I didn't know what was going on with Kyrie in his situation. It was a blow to our team. That was tough for me to stomach. I love playing with those guys throughout the year. It's a very strange answer. He- he's trying to leave on good terms, uh, trying to say they're in a good spot. 
and and shifting the blame to Kyrie. But then again, as soon as it got rough, it's so <laughs> obvious, <excuses>. bro. <laughs> it's so obvious. Kyrie went rogue. Kyrie wanted his extension, and when he was getting these, uh, you know, contracts with stipulations and conditions and things that he had to do to trigger money, like you got to play eighty percent of the games. That's when he felt like, oh, I'm just being tolerated. Oh, people don't like me. I want to be somewhere where I'm unconditionally celebrated. I'm going to blow this whole thing up. You heard right away. KD KD was surprised by the trade request. So Kyrie didn't text KD to be like, hey, bro, I'm about to literally blow up the team in Brooklyn where KD said, yeah, we were building the culture. We were like this team went 18 and two at uh, one point of the season. They had a 12 game win streak. You got to be a Looney Tune to decide. Fuck it. I'm going to put my contract extensions in front of this right now and blow this thing up when the team was literally like, that's what, that's what pissed me off. When I got on WFAN, I'm like, I don't even want to talk about this shit. Cause it's clown shit. Like that Friday night, I had a five hour show. I'm like, we'll give it one hour to talk about Kyrie. But like, this is the end. It's signaling the end. And what I don't like about it is ill Kyrie. You put your contract in front of the team. You're making 37 million. You put your contract negotiations in front of what we're doing as a group. We're trying to survive while KD is out. And you put your ego in front of all that. Like, I can't rock with people like that, bro. I'm I'm always trying to be a great asset to any team I'm on. I'm always thinking about others. I'm never putting myself in front of a bunch of other people because it's bigger than me. Everything is, you know, none of us are that big. So, hey, shout out to everybody in the chat. I know, I know people are still trying to figure out, like, a couple things. Uh, Him named Slipback is 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 I can't. Whenever they're throwing money at us, uh, he says one last thing. I'm not a super fan of Joe Psy, but the people that blame him and Marks are as much as Kyrie are nuts. Kyrie is 90% of responsible for this. Look, no one's blameless, but I agree with that. At the root of everything that happened to this Nets team, that Kyrie is at the root of everything that happened to this Nets team. He's delusional, bro, and it sucks because we're gonna stop talking about it. But this is a guy that actually got on a microphone and said, nobody wants to talk about my work ethic. You missed work 50% of the time. <laughs> this is a guy that got on a microphone and, and said, yeah, I felt like I was tolerated. Yes, we were tolerating you. <laughs> if you watched the game last night, there were, there were Jewish people. There's always Jewish people at the game. So I'm not saying this like this was a rare thing. But there was a Jewish man courtside with a yarmulke on. That is Brooklyn. There's a huge Jewish community in Brooklyn. I spoke on WFAN last night about how I'm from Monmouth County, where a lot of Jewish people from Brooklyn come down and vacation in the summer. I spent three summers working at a Jewish summer camp that was hosted at my middle school. So that's how I was connected there. Like football players, wrestlers, baseball players, like all the athletes, we would we would work at the school. So I connected with a lot of people in the Jewish community. I ran into a guy that I didn't know from like 10, 15 years ago. He was at Barclays. And, like, you know, sometimes I run into people that know me from Talking Nets or WFAN, and they come up and say hello, and I thought he was doing that. And he's like, you don't remember me? And I'm like, no. But then after a while, I'm like, okay, I remember your face, and I processed it. And I'm like, you know, good to see you here and, and your family here. They were tolerating Kyrie because Kyrie posted an anti-Semitic movie and then didn't want to give an explanation for it. That hurts business, right? It hurts business when you don't want to be vaccinated. You're the only player on the team unvaccinated but then fast forward you think that you're deserving of a guaranteed four-year 200 million like the world doesn't work like that that's that's never how things are gonna go so we're, we're done with that we're done with that and we're done with the show anybody have anything else 
in the chat. Robin, anything else? Because now we're going into All-Star break, and my hope, fingers crossed, Nets Kingdom, Locked On Nets. My hope is that next week we can do mashup pods, Talking Nets x Nets Kingdom, Talking Nets x Locked On Nets. Give you guys two episodes next week when there's no games, and then the games come back on Friday and we make the second half push. Brooklyn Bridges. That's what I got. And it's funny, you know, uh, <laughs> like people now, don't get vaccinated. That's correct. Bro, I don't give a damn about the vaccination stuff. Now, MLB just dropped their COVID-19 policies. But think about where we were at the time. The whole team took the shot, right? That's the team saying, this is what it takes for me to play basketball in this state. I'm getting the jab. I didn't want to take the shot, but to do my job, to go to spring training, just to be around coaches and players, I had to get vaccinated. So everybody else could roll up their sleeve, but not Kyrie. He's better than everybody else. So now the Dallas Mavericks can re-sign him, and uh, it's not our problem. But, uh, yeah, that's all we got, folks. Enjoy the little break. Find some things to do. If you're into sports and sports talk radio, I've got a ton of airtime. I've got a five-hour show tonight, five-hour show tomorrow, and then the next four days of Monday through Friday next week, all five-hour shows. So I'll be taking calls from everybody, talking about everything, and, uh, you know, just passing the time until we get the NBA back, uh, tap into um, college basketball. Ethan said, shout-out to WFAN and Odyssey. Yeah, shout-out to WFAN Odyssey uh, because they were smart enough to bring me in and bring Talking Nets aboard. I saw Dylan put in there, uh, in the chat, I'm still scrolling through the chat for what people were saying. He was trying to get clarity on who owns Talking Nets. I own Talking Nets. Uh, that was one of the first things that we got in writing when I left John Boy Media for WFAN. John Boy wrote, You own Talking Nets. They wanted nothing to do with Talking Nets. And that's perfectly fine. They're not Nets fans, they're not basketball fans. They talk about like dicks and baseball. So, you know, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. And uh, we're going to keep rolling and we're going to keep rocking and doing what we got to do right here for Nets fans. Brooklyn Bridges. Brooklyn Bridges. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Brooklyn.